Do you ever wonder what would happen if, well, if... If you give a dad a podcast. I'm what you call a nerdy fan. I nerd out at this stuff. Hardcore. You'll hear me talk about anime on here. You'll hear me talk about Power Rangers. You'll hear me talk about wrestling on here. Okay. I had an axe handle with a twisted T on me. <laughs> right after that <laughs> twisted T video went viral. And man, they went out and grabbed it and smacked the dude in the head with it. It was so... That's great. I'd like to thank this podcast as a nostalgia moment for me. It's a show where I can talk about whatever I want. I'm a, I'm a human and I'm a chiropractor. There was a picture of me. It looked like I was on the side of a ramen box over in China. But... <laughs> so I took my kids with me to Comic-Con. I thought that was really cool. I don't know how I should listen to this podcast. We'll cut that part out. <laughs> you know, you be like, and then Robert said this. <laughs> if you give a dad a podcast, available now on all podcasting platforms. Did you ever wonder what could have been with the AWA had things gone differently? Had their fortunes gone differently? Had certain wrestlers not left and perhaps more money would have been at the disposal of the Ganyas? Well, wonder no further. You can go to Brad Drake's YouTube channel and experience the 1987 Supermod for yourself. As Brad Drake starts off in May 1987, along with Greg Ganya, Baron Von Rotschke, Vern Ganya himself, Nick Bockwinkle, Larry Zabisco, Kurt Hennig, and a slew of others as he plays and saves the AWA. Hello, everyone. This is Brian Ferguson, the host of Bumps and Thumps, the talk of wrestling. I want to tell you about a new podcast out called Fouls Count Anywhere. It is a classic pro wrestling podcast that brings you the legends of wrestling with true wrestling fans Chris DiCarlo and Charlie Turner. They bring on guests that are legends in this business, as well as wrestlers of today, promoters, referees, you name it. They have them on there, folks. And I encourage you to listen to them. If you're on YouTube, watch them. They drop every Saturday. They have their podcast. They drop it in the afternoon. So look forward to that podcast coming out. Falls Count Anywhere podcast with Chris DiCarlo and Charlie Turner. Folks, you will not be disappointed. I guarantee it. And enjoy the podcast. Hey everyone, this is Brian Ferguson, the host of Bumps and Thumps, the talk of wrestling. We are on here today because of you, viewers and watchers like you. In order to continue the podcast, we need to monetize our YouTube channel so we can get guests on that require financial compensation. That's where viewers like you come in. If you subscribe today, we can get that number up to 1,000. And as an incentive, the 1,000 subscriber will receive a free t-shirt just like this and receive a book from the legendary George Shire on his Minnesota golden age of wrestling from Vern Ganyu to the Road Warriors, signed by George Shire himself. So please get on there, tell your friends to subscribe today and when you hit that 1000 mark, you're going to get a t-shirt like this. I'm going to reach out to you. You're going to be coming on the show as a guest and receive that book, The Minnesota's Golden Age of Wrestling, from Vern Gagne of the Road Warriors, signed by George Shire. So get on there today, subscribe, and please enjoy the podcast.
to Talk of Wrestling. I'm Brian Ferguson. My guest today is one of the greats from the 1980s and 90s. He is best known for his time in the NWA, where he's a former two-time World Tag Team Champion with Rick Rude, Dusty Rhodes, and in the AWA with his feud with Wahoo McDaniel. Ladies and gentlemen, it is my pleasure to introduce the Raging Bull, Manny Fernandez. Manny, thanks for coming on Bumps and Thumps today. Really appreciate it. Oh, no, brother, a lot of bumps and thumps going on around the world, ain't there? <laughs> Indeed there is, my friend. Thank you again for coming on today. I sure do appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. All right, Manny, let's talk a little bit about you could about you know growing up, your childhood. Uh, I know you grew up, I believe, in, in Texas and, and, and California. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, you know, I grew up as a normal kid, but uh you know, parents and stuff like that. I just grew up in tough little neighborhoods because we'd have a lot. You know, um, father and mother raised nine kids, basically nine kids, and uh, had two sets of twins in our family, and I was the oh, oldest wow. son, so I had to watch over my kids, my kid brothers and sisters. I had three older sisters above me, but I had to learn to take care of them at a young age, especially when you, you grow up in places like Horseshoe Barrio. The Barrio is almost kind of, that's what we call it, people. Some people call it ghetto. Some people call it other things. Some people, in our, in our neighborhood, it was a barrio. Okay. And we grew up with a bunch of other kids, you know, that, that are Hispanic families with lots of kids, and you grow up and make your own football teams and baseball teams because you got all your, everybody's got a lot of kids in their family, and mm-hmm. you go around playing other people, and you learn to be tough right off the back. I mean, you learn how to. You know, get respect and give respect. Mm-hmm. You don't just—they don't give it to you. You earn it. So right. I kind of came up that way and uh, stuck around the body and, and learned how to fight. And to get actually, my sisters were better fighters than me. Oh and yeah. I have to learn how to fight from that from them. Okay. <laughs> That's the truth, man. I, I That's believe you. Older sisters are pretty dang on tough. <laughs> pretty dang on tough. So that, that's how I grew up in. I'm playing sandlot football and baseball and just wrestling around and fighting with the other guys that you loved that you grew up with and since you were kids and shared your little life with there in the, in the barrio and you learn how to become an athlete. I learned how to become an athlete and uh, God gave me a special, my mom said God gave me a special ability mm-hmm. um, to excel in almost every sport I, I did, you know, competed in baseball, wrestling, and football. So, I was pretty dead gun good, and most of us, thanks to God, because I did uh, excel in those sports from, from, you know, Pop Warner to junior high to high school to college. So yeah. I was pretty yeah. lucky. I, yeah. I was pretty lucky I didn't end up like a lot of guys. As you got older in the body, a lot of guys got into bad shit, you know. And, yeah. Uh, you know, they got into, ended up getting locked up in juvenile and then going on. I got lucky started playing sports at a young age and it kept me out of that, that trend. Yeah. The guys in my neighborhood that I grew up with, a lot of them ended up in San Quentin and stuff. But you know, yeah. it's, it's yeah. a tough upbringing. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds tough like love. a tough love. Yeah, tough love. Yeah. Yeah. So you went to college. Um, you went to the famous uh, West Texas state where a lot of those wrestlers. No, no, no. but you're getting ahead of yourself. You're getting ahead of yourself, man. Okay. Uh, I was uh, out of high school. Out of high school, I got recruited by a 27 Pac-10 school. Okay. I had to go and play Let's football. Talk about that. And then wrestle, and and I was two-time state champion wrestler out of Lincoln High School in uh, San Jose, California. 
Okay. I got recruited for wrestling, and uh, uh, my mom got diabetes at a young age, and she was real sick. So I was very, very close to my mom because I was the oldest boy, and I was always in charge of this and that. Mm-hmm. So she got real sick, and I decided to just stay home and and uh, go to junior college, San Jose City College, which okay. ended up going there. And, uh, and when I the two years that I spent every every sport that I competed in, mm-hmm. I won championships. I was never lost. Wow. Ever, I never lost from, from grade school to high junior high school to high school to college. And when I got to junior college, we ended up one of the best junior colleges in the nation. We were 24 and one when I played wow. there. You know, we had great wow. running backs straight up. So I got recruited again to go play at uh, major college. And uh, about that time when Vietnam was winding down, but mm-hmm. before, a little before that, as my senior year came to Lincoln High School, there were so many protests mm-hmm. uh, about the Vietnam War and baby killers and all this and that. And, I come from a long line of uh, relatives who served their, their country out of yeah. El Paso, Texas. They were my uncle was in the Battle of Midway in the Navy. My other yeah. uncle was in the, the Battle of Guadalcanal in the Marines and stuff. Uh, wow. So I had a long line of uncles that uh, fought in World War II. Yeah. And this is in California. You got to understand California back then. Everybody knows the hippie acid days and all that yeah. craziness and all that peace, love, and dove, and dope shit that went on over there with the protests on the colleges and stuff. It just annoyed the crap out of me. I got so sick. I mean, even in, when I was at San Jose City College, they started little uh, protests there, and it really annoyed. I used to shove them to the ground and punch them out. I couldn't stand that. Because yeah. my uncles, you know, my uncles, what my uncles did, I've yeah. always known since I was a kid. And, um, it almost makes you break up right now. Um, uh, so it got on my nerves, and I, you know, I said, hell with this, man. Yeah. I can go back to college anytime. Mm-hmm. I can go play ball anytime. So mm-hmm. I told my mom I wanted to enlist. <laughs> I told her I wanted to be a Marine. <laughs> you had nothing. Yeah. <laughs> you had nothing. Yeah, there would be no damn Marine, you know. <laughs> so we agreed on the Navy. We agreed on the Navy, and okay. that's, that's what happened. I, so I took my uh, time off of football and away from college and away from all the stupidity in California and yeah. joined the Navy and went to RTCNTC San Diego, which okay. is one of the Marine Naval bases there. So okay. that's where we ended up. Wow. Well, that's great, and I want to say thank you. And after, thank you for your service, by the way. Well, thank you, brother. You did the same thing I did. Yeah. You, did, you served one of the greatest countries in the world. Yes, sir. Yes, and one of the greatest nations in the world. Yes, we did. And, and, uh, and we're fellow brothers and not veterans, veterans, but that's what that started. Then when I came home from all that and, you know, one of the prior you know, interactions I had serving my country during the evacuation of the Vietnam War and stuff. Mm-hmm. That's when I came home and had a lot of, I had a lot of issues. I was basically like you. Probably had a lot of issues. Yeah. I hated people. Yeah. I hated the way we were received when we came home. Mm-hmm. The way people received us. We never got a welcome home or yeah. stuff like that. What, what were we expecting at the airports? The idiots waiting on military people to come home from wherever their station duty was or wherever they were from their deployment. Mm-hmm. Sitting at the airports and with their signs and baby colors and we hate you and throwing stuff, you know. 
that kind of crap. Yeah. You know, so a lot of anger, a lot, a lot, a lot of anger. Yeah. So I kind of dwelled on that, dwelled on that for a couple of years. And my mom got to talking to me, and, and when I moved back to El Paso, my hometown, where I was born, mm-hmm. and uh, my mom got to talking. Maybe you should go back to playing football. And I said, yeah, I can't play no more. I don't want to play that game no more. And she was consistent of me trying to play. And she reached out to one of the coaches. I got recruited to wrestle and play football with a friend of mine that I, was a competitor against me the whole time we were in school. He went to Leland High and I went to Lincoln High. Okay. Jeff Ramona was such a great linebacker like me mm-hmm. and offensive guard. We both played the same position on a different team. So we <laughs> would uh, bang heads against each other all all the time yeah. for four years, you know, we yeah. and we became, even though we went to different high schools, me and Jeff Ramona became awesome friends yeah. because I wrestled 191 and he wrestled 175. Mm-hmm. And at every tournament that we went to, the only two guys that would always meet in the finals from our division mm-hmm. would be me and Jeff Ramona, being okay. a high and Lincoln high. <laughs> and he would represent the 175s and of course, he would win the title seven times, and I would win the title nine once. So that even drew us closer because we'd always compete with one another on the yeah. mat, you know, not against each other in tournaments because I was heavier than him by 20 pounds. But, yeah. uh, you know, we became very close friends. And then we ended up playing junior college together at San Jose City College, okay. which I ended up being an All-American offensive guard in junior college. And he was an all-American linebacker junior college. Oh, wow. So we, we stuck together for all them years. And then I made that decision to join. And I talked to Jeff about it. And he said, if that's what you feel, college will always be there. Mm-hmm. And Jeff had already gone to UCLA, UCLA. And, and he, he accepted the scholarship. And I told him that I couldn't. I had to do what I had to do. Yeah. So that's a good friend that I you know, made a decision with. Yeah. I always remember what happened. I dealt with a lot of stuff. And one of the coaches that recruited me and Jeff really heavy at the time they were recruiting, mm-hmm. Joe DeLuca, ended up, for whatever reason, he ended up on Bill Bill Young's staff at West Texas State University. Okay. And how my mom found out about it, I really don't know. Mm-hmm. But she found out about it and she wrote him a letter and that I was at home doing nothing and she liked to see me play football. So he contacted me. Yeah. And asked me just to walk on. Hey, just try, come back. Not going to hurt nothing to walk on. You have the GI Bill. They'll pay for your schooling. Mm-hmm. And just try it. There's nothing in there. So, you know, I ended up uh, doing that. I used the GI Bill to walk on the West Texas State. Wow. And, and there, when there, uh, you probably got a question, but I can't have an on. So, before, you know, the, the rest, of the, the rest of the story, <laughs> um, uh, you know, but I ended up walking out of West Texas State. Yeah. Well, that's that's amazing. And, yeah. you know, I can, you know, my, my parents were both uh, served during that era as well. And uh, my mom always said, when you see a Vietnam veteran, to welcome them home because they never got the welcome they deserved and needed. So Manny, Raging Bull Fernandez, welcome home, sir. And thank you for all you did. Thank you, buddy. All right. You I bet. appreciate it. There was you more. Bet. 
you know, there, there's so many uh, gods that came before me. Yeah. That were there yeah. before me that, you know, I see them when I do this little veteran stuff that I go now. Yeah. When I have some, they you know, sit down and talk to them. Mm-hmm. You know, but those memories are, you know, hard to deal with sometimes. Yeah. No, I, I understand. So, all right. So why don't we talk a little bit about getting involved in the pro wrestling world here? How? The rest of the story. Well, you know, there was West Texas State. I didn't know nothing about West Texas State. Okay. I just knew that I was going to go try. And I've always played sports one way, my way. I either yeah. knock the shit out of you or you knock the shit out of me. Yeah. I want to hit you as hard as I can no matter what. Mm-hmm. And I don't like being second to no one, especially playing. I never yeah. played second string to nothing. I always started, excelled, and that's the attitude I had. Yeah. So I walked down to West Texas State. But before that, the first camp that I showed up to the summer drills, summer two days, uh, you'd have to do that uh, from West Texas uh, practice field. We had to jog up to Buffalo Bowl, which is a stadium for you guys coming in. The way you got to see the stadium is you had to jog up there. This is a hell of a jog. Yeah. Got to be about three-mile jog, three-mile jog. Oh, wow. You know, jog up there and jog back. And the first time, you know, I was there, and that was kind of the new guy coming in. And I was there and basically didn't know what any most of the guys that had been at West Texas State two or three years. They all knew each other. Mm-hmm. So I was nobody knew who I was or basically where I was trying to make the team. So I go, we go do this jog up there. And along the way back then, the path that you run, you went by right through a ranch called the Double, the Double, uh, uh, Double Cross Ranch, ah. the Double Cross Ranch, which yeah. you know who that belonged to, right? Yeah, the, the fox. So we're jogging up there, and I'm jogging. Yep, I'm jogging down the hill, and it's, here comes a guy in a horseback. A guy on horseback, and he's riding along the fence line, and he's yelling at us, "Get up, pick it up, and get going, yo, big man! You need to get out moving and get up there, get moving." And I turned around, looked at him, "Who's this damn idiot?" <laughs> everybody about stopped in their tracks and turned around, and looked at me to go, "Shut up, shush, don't say that." <laughs> What's wrong with you people? Some idiot yelling, you gonna let me yell at you? Don't you know who that is? I said, I don't give a damn who that is. And then Kelly Kaninsky, who, you know, his dad was drinking, and he said, yeah. come up, first time I met him, he says, you shouldn't be talking about that man like that. That's Terry Funk, the great Terry Funk. I said, who the hell is he? <laughs> he like to shit his parents. Uh. <laughs> that, that's, that's, you know, I didn't really get to meet him, but that's yeah. the first time I saw him, and I called yeah. him an idiot. <laughs> and everybody was like, oh, God. <laughs> I didn't know he was one of the big boosters in West Texas State. He was also yeah. one of the biggest boosters yeah. West Texas. He went there himself, you know. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, all the way back, I was getting slack. Hey, don't say that no more. That's serious. I don't give a damn. I give a damn. So that kind of, you know, some of the guys kind of got, like, offended and they thought they yeah. would do things to me. And, uh, so a couple of guys, the senior guys, you know, they knew what Funk did for West Texas State, the Funk, Murdoch, and all them guys would do for West Texas State. So they, one night they tried to rip me by coming in. They're going to dental floss my toes together. I <laughs> snubbed a gun under my pillow and I, you know, all the time. 
<laughs> they made the mistake because, you know, if you come back from that kind of Vietnam, so you don't sleep like heavy. Right. You learn how yeah. to sleep very light. Yeah. And every little noise will wake you up. Every little sound, you mm-hmm. you um, react. To, you react to every little sound. Like my uh, my psych doctor tells me I'm one of those is fight or flight guys. But you don't. Right. You're not flight. You're fight. Yeah. <laughs> right. says, you're a fight, not flight. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so they were doing this, trying to do this. I okay, stuck my hand under the pillow and got that 45 and stuck it in their head. I, said, I don't think I do that. They like to shit their pants. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. they, they went and told uh, Coach Young, and I almost got kicked off the football team before I even became a football player with me. Oh, wow. And Coach yeah. Lucas stuck up for me and advised them that I was a Vietnam vet, and I probably yeah. have some issues. So yeah. I had to make me send a gun home, which I send a gun home, and we dealt with that. And after mm-hmm. that, everybody loved me. I was <laughs> had a lot of friends. I bet you did. Yeah. <laughs> I had a lot of friends. <laughs> so, you know, that, that that became the story. That story, of course, Kelly Kaninsky, Big Mouth Kelly Kaninsky, went and told everybody that was living and resting there at the time, like Jack Mulligan, Dizzy Murdoch, Terry and Dory Paul, I did a mm-hmm. stamp. I mean, the, everybody, I guess, in the wrestling world knew about this crazy guy that pulled the gun on the football players. You know, so yeah, that got around. That got around. Yeah. Wow. You know, people, you know, just started realizing that I didn't take shit for nobody. And if right. you did do something like that or try yeah. anything harder than that, I would put you in the ground. I wouldn't play. I would put you in the ground. So yeah. it became the the tale that everybody told, especially Kelly and Anthony. And he would, I, I guess he would go back and tell him everything I did because I got in fights in practice. I finally got tired of this. Oh, well, your third string guy to say, how was this bull in the ring? I'll tell you what, I lasted two weeks on GI Bill. And two weeks after I said, I'm tired of this, I ended up on scholarship. I just beat the hell out of the guy that was in front of me. And he quit. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> I mean, I beat him in the foot uh, with pads in the football ring. Right. We call it bull in the ring, two guys against each other. Okay. And I just beat the hell out of him. Yeah. Wow. I was starting guard then. Wow. <laughs> so I got a scholarship, and, you know, those stories went around. Mm-hmm. And I did a lot of dumb shit. I was so much more mature than these guys. Mm-hmm. I did a lot of dumb shit that, that I learned in the military and dragging guys with my truck <laughs> from behind. I had a lot. Murdoch used to be a, a bull roper, a healer, mm-hmm. cap roping. Him yeah. and Ray Stevens, they used to cap roping stuff. I didn't know that before that, but when I met him, I knew it. I knew they did that. So they always had these lassos. They drove my lassos, and I would put them on a hitch in my truck, my truck, mm-hmm. the bumper, and I'd pull guys on skis when it snowed there, and we'd be going down the center of West Texas, skiing <laughs> behind my truck. <laughs> I did so much great, and all this, all these stories kept going back to Terry and Mickey, and most of all, Dickie. Yeah. I think he thought I was nuts. And me and him became very, very close. Yeah. He started coming over and visiting in the dorm room, coming to practices and watching me. And, you know, um, if you were in practices, I'd get so mad at guys for being stupid. I yeah. started pounding them on the helmet. <laughs> and he said, Dick, you know, don't you realize they have a helmet on, idiot? <laughs> what are you going to do? Hurt yourself. They've got a helmet on, you idiot. <laughs> <laughs> 
you know, uh, that just that just came and became a and then Terry. Yeah. I don't know. It's just you know how you get brotherhoods. Yeah. When you fight along somebody and you know you're fighting for your life, yeah. you become brothers. Mm-hmm. And I hadn't had that in a long time. Dickie and me became that because Dickie would come and support and, and he'd take me out drinking with him. And I don't know. It was, just, it yeah. was great. It was fantastic. He'd get on my ass and I did something wrong at the football game. He didn't miss a home game. And they no. were in town. They didn't miss a home game. <laughs> yeah, God, and God Almighty, if I missed the block, if I missed the block or something, and he was in the stands, I could hear him a mile away. You stupid! <laughs> yeah, uh, I can hear him a mile away. Yeah, <laughs> I can hear him. He gets so mad. He gets so mad at our team and stuff. Yeah, he was happy when we were winning. We were winning and won the conference. Yeah, there's been a few, but between Dickie and Terry, and then Terry and me became close to the office. You know, some of the things we did. We used to go to the Whiskey River. And, and when people get stupid and ask stupid questions like, hey, wrestling fake? You know, back then, they were tough guys. Yeah. yeah. You know, back in the day, they were very, very tough. And you know, like right now, everybody tries to compare who's the toughest or who's the tough. Everybody was tough back then. Everybody. Yeah. Everybody defended, protected. It's like I tell people, the business is so hard to get into. You had to know somebody with power. Mm-hmm. Be second gen or third generation of. Yeah. I mean, it was to me, it was not harder than getting into the mafia. Yeah. I mean, they were very capable, very yeah. capable. Yeah, they, they they protected their line of work, their livelihood. They protected one another as a brotherhood. Yeah, and it, it was so close. That's why I think I was convinced to finally say, okay, whatever, you know, let's do this. Yeah, but that was a long journey between that. It was two years of football, and then. Two years of just running up and down the road with uh, Dick Murdoch, you know, things that they did when him and Mulligan were running the Amarillo territory and, okay. you know, things. And I was just a little football player with Texas State. And basically, they're squirrel. You go go pick up Andre to die at the airport. <laughs> and, you know, and, you know, I never got, I never watched wrestling, never got into pro wrestling. Never knew. The only wrestling I did was collegiate. Yeah. Folk style. That's the only wrestling I ever did. That's the only thing I believe was doing. All this stuff about, you know, wrestling and stuff was never in my dreams in any part of my life. Never. Okay. Until I got to West Texas State and wow. all these guys are wrestlers and I used to, you know, I didn't glorify wrestling. That's why today don't mean crap to me. I know what it is. And yeah. and the people that brought me, the, my bloodline that made me in this made me in this business, you know, mm-hmm. from Murdoch and Mulligan and the Funk, yeah. that bloodline that I have. They all knew that I understood very heavily that this wrestling was just wrestling. I knew what it meant. Yeah. I mean, if somebody had to lay down for you to make you look good, make sure you make that guy look like a million dollars. Yeah. I knew that rule. Yeah. But I never saw it as anything else than that. Yeah. It was not. As some of these clowns that are still out there doing it, it's their life. Yeah. It was never my life. It was my living. Right. I had a different life outside of that. I didn't sit there and, and gloat on, oh, you want this belt? Because, you know, every territory I went to, I was over. I yeah. got over. I was the top guy. I was a champ. I yeah. drew money. Yeah. I put asses in the seat. And that's that's the greatest the greatest thing that ever was told to me and why I love this man so much is Terry Funk sat me down one time with 
Murdoch finally convinced me to train and said, you know, you got something very special. you got a charisma about you, mm-hmm. and you could put asses in the seats. And I didn't know what he meant by that because yeah. i never done that terminology. You know? yeah. and, you know, he says, there's something about you. You know, I had that fire. I'd yeah. fight you on a football field even if you had a helmet pads on. I didn't yeah. care. You know, I didn't care. So that's, that's basically how I finally, and I made them understand that. Yeah. And I understand what you're doing and what, but Jack Briscoe put it the best when I met him and worked and went to Florida and him and Jerry Briscoe. Mm-hmm. Jack Briscoe put it the best. When somebody asked him about him, he just said one word, natural. That's yeah. all I can tell you about him. He's natural. That's what I say about it. When when you're around the greatest, to me, yeah. I was surrounded by the greatest. Yeah, you know. Oh, <laughs> what, what bloodlines in bloodlines in that? Yeah. Seriously. No, I hundred percent, Manny. It's and, uh, amazing. It's amazing you were. And I'm gonna tell you something. Please. Go ahead. No, I was just gonna say it. You went. You were around such professionals, such well-known athletes, uh, wrestlers of that era, uh, that, it, you know, Murdoch, and Murdoch was crazy from what I've heard stories. Uh, so when you say, oh. yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I mean, West Texas guys, you know, funks, they do crazy stuff. Um, and, and now you talk about Jack and Jerry, Jerry Briscoe. Uh, I mean, you had just such a wealth of knowledge. You were just like, I'm sure like a sponge. Just listening to them and, and following their directions. It's it's just a great story. Yeah, you know, not they were tough and crazy and had fun. They had yeah. fun and they loved you. Brothers of the road, we share the same load. That's yeah. a long gone model in this business. You don't realize that we used to drive yeah. everywhere. And, and and everywhere you drove and, and the, if there was one of the brothers on the side of the road broke down, you pulled over, you made sure they were all right, you made sure they got to where they were going, you made sure they were safe. That was just part of your life. It was part of you. They were part of your life, and you were part of their life. We put our lives in each other's hands, and we took care of each other, mm-hmm. you know? And that's long gone in this business. God, when I was in college, and after the football season, you know, I had in between there, I had really seen nothing to do but work and lift and whatever, right? so... Murdoch would take me, you know, talk like crazy. He'd take me on these road trips with him. We'd go to damn Lubbock and Odessa and Hereford, New Mexico and everything. He'd take me, make me drive. So basically, when they were on the road, Murdoch, Mulligan, and, and whoever rode with this famous snap, Chris, whatever, I was basically the beer guy. I handed him beers. <laughs> and I'll never forget the first time I, I, I handed uh, Mulligan a beer while he was driving, but I forgot to open it. And he took the beer and hit me upside the head with it. I got so damn mad. I was so mad. I jumped up like, yeah, I'm going to fight Black Jack Mulligan, 6'10", 390 pounds of muscle, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He said, you, you never hand a driver a closed beer. You have to open it. I said, oh, yeah. damn, okay, I'm sorry. You have to hit me with a damn beer. <laughs> he, but, you know, I was just basically, yeah, I'd drink with him, but I was basically the guy that, just handed him open beer. I opened the beer, handed it to him, open the beer. And then, yeah. you know, that, yeah. you know, we just, it was fun. And then, you know, I had awesome little trips. And, and they made me, it came saved all the time. Now, mm-hmm. basically, still didn't know nothing. But every time that I got to the show, I had to sit 
at the very top of the bleachers in the arena and sit there and watch every match. I go, what the hell? No one watches this crap. And they looked at me and said, watch the matches. I said, all right, all right, watch the matches. And of course I didn't. You know, I got to come down. And sometimes when, when I used to go to the Lubbock arena and sit up there, Baby Doll, Nicola was the, uh, the promoter's daughter. Yeah. Baby Doll would be taking the tickets, and I'd go over there and BS with her. Sit down and BS with her while she's taking the tickets and stuff. Nick yeah. Roberts, Nick Roberts, her dad, Nick Roberts. And yeah. uh, I'd just take that BS with her, you know. Then I'd get caught and they'd get yelled at. <laughs> so I'd have to go sit up there. But we'd go running down the road and they'd, they'd ask me questions like, okay, what happened in the first match? I go, well, I really don't know. <laughs> <laughs> they told me out of the car and they told me out of the car and drive off. Oh my god. <laughs> oh. I'm standing going like what the hell? Is it really gonna leave me here? <laughs> <laughs> so, oh. that was my slow education in poor wrestling. <laughs> I would watch every match and then you know, sooner sooner I started watching all the matches and sometimes yeah. I really get it would got into them like, Oh shit, look at that oh god, that had to hurt. Oh my yeah. God! Damn, that was awesome. You know, yeah. they were that good. They were that believable. Yeah, they were that good. I went from a yeah. skeptic to almost going like, Oh my God, these guys are doing this. Mm. Now these guys are unreal. You know, yeah. the matches they had, especially when I watched Mulligan and Murdoch and Holly Race and Murdoch and, mm -hmm. and, and you know, those guys are. Tell you what, you could not see through them like you see this garbage now. 10,000 flips in the air and the guy's still there. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Uh, no, I, I agree, Bull, that, uh, you know, it's it's a lot different today. Uh, even growing up, I mean, I, I watched it in the, you know, late 70s uh, as a kid and in the 80s as a kid. And even, you know, from then to now, it's just so much more... You know, it, it, the kayfabe, you know, is gone, unfortunately, and and, uh, and the yeah. the believability is, is gone. Where you actually, you know, when and we'll get into this later when you turned on Jimmy and all that, and we'll get into that a little bit later. That was so believable. It was, you know, it it, it a lot. You ticked a lot of people off, I know, and uh, but it was believable. Yeah. And and, yeah. and that's the you missing know, component today because, well, somebody turns on somebody, well, you know, okay, they, it, it it's not as relevant as it was back in in in, in the back days. In the day. would, yeah, back when you did it. Yeah. And that's a missing. Yeah. When I, component. Go ahead. I'm sorry. When I saw the, when I saw that first angle like that, when Mulligan turned on Murdoch, and I'm like going, this is my two mentors right now. And I can't believe you're doing that. What the yeah. hell am I going to do? Who am I going to talk to? What, what I got to do? I don't want to offend either one of them. And I can't yeah. believe Blackjack did that. And it was so damn believable. Yeah. I was so mad. <laughs> because I was stuck in a spot. I didn't know what direction to go in at the time. Because they were both training me. Yeah. And so was Terry. So was Norris. You know, and so was Dennis Stamp. And I was, everybody wanted a chance to come in and put their little piece. Even Jerry and Nick Kozak. And I was training in the Amarillo Civic Center, and they all wanted to share their knowledge with me, which I appreciated. Yeah. But they all said, well, you, you basically you're doing everything because you do it naturally. 
I knew how to do arm drag. That's what I did in wrestling in high school. Remember Bull Hipstoppers, because I did, uh, one of my biggest moves in high school in 191s was sucking you in for hip toss and putting you on your back, you know, <laughs> yeah, and uh, all that kind of stuff. And that was one of those kids. A lot of the guys back in my era in the 70s in wrestling were just the biggest guy on the football team, put them at that weight. And they really weren't, you know, they tried to muscle you like that. I got into learning it, the moves and everything. I started wrestling my 112-pounder, 120-pounder, 95-pounder because of the speed. And I learned the speed from them, how to sprawl and get away from people. And that's what I was doing professionally. The speed yeah. and my agility to get up and down. It was so natural as Jack Bristol said, but getting back yeah. to that situation on turning, I mean, I was stuck yeah. in the middle. But along came this guy one day that, that turned out to be one of my closest friends ever. And I missed him so much when I wasn't, when he was left the territory. The day that, like I said, that I was a little squirrel running around. One day they asked me to go pick up Andre the Giant at the airport. And, you know, I read about the Giant. I saw the posters and everything. But I was still skeptical. I thought, ah, the guy can't be that big. Nah, they're full of crap. They're full of crap. He's probably big. You know, but, you know, but not that big. Can't be that big. And I told him, if this guy's that big, I've got a Formula Trans Am. How the hell am I going to get him in that car? you got to ask him that. Can I take one of your trucks? He said, no. Take your car. I said, I'm not going to put a giant in my car. Have you ever seen a Formula Trans Am? Yeah, it's yeah. not that big. No, it's, it's not, not. It's not that big. So, I, so, okay, I go off to the airport in Amarillo, and, and I, I'm still skeptical. Oh, he can't be that big. So I'm sitting there waiting for him to come down the terminal, down the runway or terminal down there. And I'm sitting down on the damn bench. I look up. I see a guy like two feet above everybody else. I go, oh my God. He is that big. <laughs> he was two feet about everybody else yeah. walking on the tremor. Wow. I go, oh my God. Uh, this is going to be unreal. So I, I, I told him, sir. <laughs> I go, uh, um, my name is Manny Brandon, sir. He goes, okay, boss. <laughs> I go, no. <laughs> oh, I'm not the boss. I'm not. Anyway, I'm just here to pick you up. <laughs> and he goes, Okay, boss. <laughs> I didn't realize he called everybody that, right? Yeah, yeah. So I said, again, I'm up to boss. I said, all I got is this little Trans Am. And so what happens is to get him into the Trans Am, I had to take one of my keypads off so he could sit on the passenger. Oh, my God. <laughs> and he take the keypad off. He the feet all the way back, and he was up against the dash in his legs. And he was so happy. <laughs> I mean, it was like... The movie Gator. You ever seen that movie Gator with yeah, Burt Reynolds yeah, and that guy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that, that was me. That was me and Andre. But it was a fast <laughs> Oh wow! So I'm going down. I pick him up. I got about 30 mile drive to Canyon with officers to bring Andre. And the first thing out of his mouth when we get in the car, he's going, "Hey, boss, you can find liquor store." I go, "I'm not the boss. I'm just here to pick you." You know, you call me Bob. <laughs> and so I find a liquor store, and I said, 30 mile trip. We drank a 12 pack of beer and a little quart of tequila. Oh my said, gosh. Holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> I said, Holy shit. This guy's not going to fall out of the car. So we get to the office there, and I'm like, Nothing happened. He just walked straight in there. I said, oh, my God. Yeah. This man could drink that much. <laughs> yeah. uh, he, 
when he was in the territory for two weeks, I had to be his his squirrel. I got I got his driver. Yeah. And, <laughs> and it's still in the Trans Am, but we I drove him to every town, and he's in a case of beer, a long drive, case of beer, quarter tequila, case of yeah. beer, half a quart jug. Oh my God. <laughs> and he want me to drink it. No, I'm driving. I'm driving. <laughs> and he goes, No, you drink. You you drink, boss. Everybody drinks. I'm like, oh, oh wow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. But one of the funniest. I had such a great time with him for three years. We became so close. Yeah. It was just. I was glad to see him. He's a big guy. Yeah. Beautiful person. Yeah. Biggest heart ever. Beautiful person. He loved playing his cribbage. Him and Murdoch loved playing that cribbage for money. He loved playing that, but I had a great relationship with Andre. He was a beautiful person. Yeah. And one thing I could tell people about him, in his youth, back in the 70s, 76, 77, yeah. 78, when he was coming in Amarillo, that man could wrestle. Yeah. That man could wrestle. He took bumps, he could the arm drag, he That man could wrestle. Yeah. I couldn't believe that a man that big could do all the stuff he was doing, bumps over the top rope, stuff like that. I thought he was just going to be, you know, a giant monster, not being able to <laughs> do nothing. Yeah, just sit there and be the monster that he is. Yeah. Unreal. Unreal matches. Wow. Unreal matches. Mulligan, unreal matches. Harley, I mean, he just surprised me. Yeah. You know, a guy that big can actually wrestle that good. Yeah. Wow. But, yeah, I've heard stories about him and wrestling and drinking. <laughs> so let's let's talk a little bit about your nickname. You got your Raging Bull. Now, I'd like to know, and I'm sure our fans would, of how that name came about. But you know, like I said, everything started in Amarillo. Yeah, and uh, everybody knew that when I was playing football at Amarillo, and after the games we go to. Uh, Scotland Yard or, or all the disco places back in the 70s mm-hmm. and uh, somebody mouthed off to one of the football one of the football players I had a little group of football players that you know consisted of Kelly Kinesky Gene Kinesky's son mm-hmm. uh, Scott Braden and, and Adolfo's son a little clique of guys that liked me the most but I mean all the teams got along with me because they knew I was going to put up their crap Right. everybody was basically running, but I had a group of guys that would run around with me to the bars along with, you know, go hang out with Murdoch and everybody because we were the football team and they liked to see us. Yeah. But when we don't go to the private bars, we sometimes go to the disco bars and stuff. And if somebody said somebody to one of my guys on my clique, my little clique, my gente, I should say my gente, as I was taught when I was growing up, that's your gente, you take care of them. Yeah. And you said something to one, I'll be the hell out of you. I'll be the hell. And where do we get around? Yeah. What do we go back? Hey man, he got another bar fight. Hey man, he got another bar fight. And <laughs> when I come train, they'd ask me, they'd ask me, you know, so what'd you do this weekend? Where'd you go? Anything happen? Because I lie, because <laughs> I knew what they were gonna do. Yeah, I knew I'd be doing push-ups, sit-ups forever and ever, and run the ring, run, run the ring, run, run. I'd be doing for us. And that's man, I had a good time with that. Oh, no fights, no, no, no fights. You lying, little bastard. <laughs> 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 and this one. <laughs> And then they put the hinder squats, hinder squats, hinder squats. I get all this punishment doing all these like the drill hinder squats and stuff, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> One day I had a big fight. It was a big fight at Scotland Yard. I mean, it was like 20 people involved. And I was throwing mm-hmm. people through glass windows and the both of the park. 
<laughs> and the cops got involved and stuff. And of course, you know, because of the funks, everybody knew the funks and Murdoch. Yeah. We, uh, none of us got in trouble. Right. Because the couple we got hurt pretty good. But we didn't, because we had that pool. They had the pool, I should say. And, yeah. uh, we never got in trouble. But I got, uh, I, when I went to train in Amarillo, I got chewed out. And that's when Murdoch said, Who the hell do you think you are? Raging bull going out boxing every night trying to beat up people <laughs> every damn night. You won't go to jail. You don't end up in jail. Is that what you want to be? You want to be a jailbird? <laughs> you need to quit damn fighting so much. You damn raging bull. And I guess. Uh, stuck. So Dick Murdoch you know, gave you that name. He was mad at me. <laughs> <laughs> hey, but it stuck. <laughs> 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 yeah, it's stuck. I mean, yeah. Everybody like, yeah. I tried not to, but you know, people, even when I went to Florida, I kind of kayfaved it, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, been until I started getting in bar fights in Florida. <laughs> 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 then it started to pop up again. But, yeah, I had a great baptism. I had a great baptism. Yeah, I, I enjoyed every bit of, yeah. of okay. training. I got beat up. I'll tell yeah. you the truth. You know, these people train all day. But if I do something wrong, I get beat up. I got stretched. People know how to handle themselves back then, you know. Yeah. Larry Lane would come in. And I knew how to shoot out people. Everybody knows that I knew how to shoot out people. But, mm-hmm. You know, these guys were good, too. They were hookers. They, they knew how to, to get to me, how to grab a, this certain hole and that certain hole, which yeah. eventually they taught me, right? Mm-hmm. But they knew how to hook me up. And, you know, they, they taught me right. And, and yeah. I earned their respect because it wasn't a given. Here, I'm going to show you how to do this. I had to earn it. I learned every bit of it. Yeah. So, wow. Um, that's why I respect. Yeah. Well, you know, you're in the business. You know, during to me the like, the heyday, the golden era, the you know the late '70s into the '80s, early '90s. You know, you worked with a lot of great people. I just you know you Dusty Rhodes. You were tag team champion with him. Uh, a lot of your time. Well, that's the, a story in its own. <laughs> You uh, well, let's hear it. That's the story of song. Well, you know, like I said, if people would have been brought up like me to probably respect the business more, mm-hmm. protect it more. As I still do today, I will never yeah. stop protecting the business. Right. Now, I know what it is, but I I know that the people that started me would want me to do the same thing as they do. The same. They still, when I go see Terry, he still mm-hmm. hate the business of the shit now because of it. But you know. Yeah. As I was getting along to the point where they thought I was good enough, you know, J.J. Dillon came in to be assistant booker with Murdoch, and they thought that, hey, this kid's getting good enough, so let's get him out of here. And the first thing uh, Murdoch and Mulligan said, well, let's send him up there to Eddie Graham in Florida. That's a hell of a territory for Hispanic guys. Yeah. And he's got that fire and charisma to, get to help to, you know, probably draw the Hispanic people in. So, you yeah. know, they send me to Florida, my first territory. Okay. And to this day, I, I, because of the people. Uh, my, my, I mean, outside of Amarillo, where I started, the first territory I went to was, they sent me to was Florida with Eddie Graham. Okay. I get to Eddie Graham, I went to Florida, and, and, I, and that's where I learned a lot, too, from the guys. Mm-hmm. Tough-ass guys like Hill Matuda and Jack Terry. But, uh, <laughs> I get to Florida and, and they said, check in, tell them who you are. They'll be expecting you. Make sure you always have your rest back. 
to this day, I still have my wrestling bag in the car. Oh, wow. <laughs> you know, I, with you. I, don't, yeah. I, I don't use it. I don't use it anymore. Right. Yeah, it's, yeah. Wow. it's just a habit. A habit you build up years. And I got there and I met an old timer named Charlie Lay. He was at the door and Charlie Lay wrestled in the 40s, 30s, and 40s on a tough old bird. Yeah. And I come in and introduce myself to old Charlie Lay. I'm one of nice men. I say, oh, yeah. We're expecting you. We're expecting you. Go, ahead, go, ahead. go through them curtains there. Go, there. go ahead and uh, get suited up. I go, what? I'm just recording you. <laughs> you know, go ahead and get suited up. And uh, I'll go ahead and get suited up. I went out to the wrestling ring, and when I stepped out of the ring, first guy sitting there was Gordon Soli. I didn't know who he was yeah. at all. I didn't know that he was a comedy guy. I didn't watch wrestling. Still yeah. to this day, I don't watch wrestling. Uh, it was Gordon Soli, and uh, he introduced himself. I introduced myself. He got to talk a little bit. And pretty soon he said, they'll be down there in a minute. I go, they'll be down there. <laughs> and uh, I sat there, and I waited. And all of a sudden, the door opened up above the ring. or how the room above the ring there. And down the stairs came a big fat guy with blonde hair. Dusty <laughs> and behind us in the and uh, <clears throat> behind him was uh, two guys that I didn't know. So yeah. when they came down, it was uh, introduced themselves to Jack and Jerry Briscoe, and we all know how tough they were in college and amateur. <laughs> mm-hmm. So yeah. that was my uh, that was my introduction to the Florida territory. Get in the ring with Jack and Jerry Briscoe. <laughs> I didn't get stretched too much. I fought back enough, but they were. They were damn good. They were yeah. damn good. Yeah. And I, I learned lessons. They were learning lessons. And when I got through with that, they come out and they looked at Grant, Lady Graham, who I didn't know was the owner, promoter, whatever. I just thought he was a little dude, probably was a tough little dude. And I just kept looking. <laughs> yeah, you know, Dusty was the first impression. I said, okay, he's the booker. So you have respect for that. Yeah. And, you know, later on, the greatest thing about Florida and me was learning from Jack and Jerry Briscoe. Yeah. They took me on their wing. I went to every show with them in their Dominican Continental. I'm pretty sure everybody heard the story about us flipping the Continental three <laughs> times in midair. Yeah. Boom, boom, boom. We all, when they used to drug me and uh, putting stuff in my beer, I'd pass out. And they'd talk <laughs> me off in my car and leave the cars open and stuff. The Briscoe's played so many ribs on me because they heard the stories of Amarillo. Yeah. They would leave me on the side of the road, stuff like that, you know, they they get out, oh, we're all got a piss and jump the car real fast and take off. <laughs> <laughs> but I learned, I love Jack Briscoe. Jack Briscoe, I mean, he was one of the greatest. He was so smooth. I call him smooth. Yeah. Smooth operator. And, you know, they gave that later on to Rude. But I used yeah. to call Jack that because of his wrestling style. Mm-hmm. He was so damn smooth. And I used to have six man tags with the Briscoes, and their big deal was to put me in the middle so they could both slap me in the face when the referee catch. <laughs> that was a big thrill. And I, and I always knew what was coming. Yeah. I always knew what was going to happen. Yeah. I wouldn't take that away from it because that was their big deal. Yeah. You know? yeah. And I didn't feel I should take that away from it. Yeah. They took care of me, the Tommy stuff. Dusty took care of me, but Dusty was always about Dusty. I always, you know, but I learned my two years in Florida yeah. was that man's ego was bigger than, than, than <laughs> the moon. Yeah. I mean, he was about, he, yeah, he brought me up. I just tagged him somewhere in Florida, kept me. He knew what I could do in Florida. You yeah. know, I got my, he finally, 
that was shot to me. I have so many great matches. Oh my God. Me and Harley Race went so many hour, one hour Broadways, yeah. one ninety minute Broadway, and he wow. was so fantastic. In Harley Races, we had eleven matches against each other. He never was the same. He ain't Ric yeah. Flair. Ric Flair sucked. <laughs> Compared to Harley Race, yeah. I wrestled Harley Race eleven times in one ninety minute Broadway. Wow. And none, not one match was the same. Not one match. Wow. And the way he worked the people, the yeah. way he controlled it. It's like he told me, don't worry about it, kid. You just do your job, and I'll be the puppet master. I'll pull the strings, and we'll get the people off their ass. And he was right. Yeah. He was right. Yeah. He was fantastic. And to this day, I praise Harley Race. I had matches with Flair. He sucked. <laughs> I didn't care. He never wrestled that man again. Yeah. He sucked big time, in my book. Yeah. yeah. He sucked. But I don't, I don't like ass kissers. Either yeah. you do your job, if you're good enough to be on top, then your talent should carry you. Shouldn't be a brown nose ass kisser. Yeah. That's the way it is. You know. Yeah. But uh, no, Florida was a fantastic education for me. I got so much, so educated about Dusty and his ego. It has to be Dusty, Dusty, Dusty. But eventually, he burned down the territory. Eventually, gets old. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But Jack and Jerry Briscoe, I'll always love to this day. Mm-hmm. We did so many crazy things together. Pimping the car over, you know, <laughs> peeing on my legs. <laughs> <laughs> Getting out and be in the middle of I'll be in the middle between them and stop for pissed off and I'm peeing and all of a sudden they're peeing on both legs. <laughs> I was a rookie. Yeah. I took all the ribs. Yeah. Because I was a rookie. Well, back then the rookie understood you're yeah. gonna get ribbed by the veteran. Yeah. And they're gonna be you know, they're gonna be, you know, harsh, not bad ribs, but they peeing on your legs, a little harsh, but you know, it's funny. Yeah. It's all funny, it's a throw. You know, it happens. Yeah. You know, it's just, you know, you know, that's part of business is gone forever. Yeah. yeah. That kind of love and, and uh, friendship and continuity that everyone has with one another mm-hmm. is missing. Yeah. You know, and they don't understand how much fun and closeness that it brought to the guys on the road, how much it brought to one another. Protect I remember going down the roads and highway shooting shotguns over at Humperdinck and Buggy McGraw's car. Barry Windham was pumping shots. You know, me and Barry Windham. I had a little uh, Volkswagen pickup truck, and I hit something on the road, and I flipped that pickup truck, me and Barry, in it 10 times. Oh, wow. 10 times we flipped, and it was fast. Humperdinck and uh, Bugsy McGraw, luckily, like I said, the brothers look out for you. Yeah. Slam, stopped, and helped us. And luckily, me and Barry survived, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I remember, you know, that was a horrible incident, but yeah. we survived that because all the boys on the road were concerned and all turned, came back, and, you know, there rushed to the scene. And I mean, what, what, these guys don't understand that. Yeah. They don't have that brotherhood. Mm-hmm. They don't have that commodity. They don't have that, what we, going back to what we had, and you have your military. Yeah. You know yeah. that guy's going to be by your uh, side no matter what. Yeah. 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 That guy's going to be by your side no matter what. Yeah. That's true. That was a fun territory for me. Yeah. yeah. Well, let's talk a little bit for Kid Manny. Uh, you know, you were big. You were over in, in Florida. You were you were over in the Mid-Atlantic. Uh, you were over pretty much everywhere. Southwest. But Southwest, you were over. I mean, everywhere you went, you were over. But there was a particular yeah. couple incidents. Uh you know, the famous one is when you turned on Jimmy Boogie Woogie Man Valiant 
and went with Paul Jones Army. And for you, you were a babyface, you know, up until that time. What was that like for you after? I mean, as soon as you did that, and and you know, it, it went probably full circle. But what was that like for you? What that emotion? Yeah, going back to the story I told you about watching Paul against her on Murdoch. Yeah. Remember I told you about that? Yep. that I was yep. angry that it was so real to me. Mm-hmm. Well, I told him that when we decided to do that. I told Boogie, hey, dude, remember this. This To me, this is going to be real. You're going to yeah. get hit. So prepare yeah. to get it. I knew how easy. Jimmy Valiant was easy. You know, he was so easy. And he mm-hmm. barely touched you and all that. I can't, I, that's not me. Anybody will tell you, you're listening to an uh, uh, interview Barbarian had lately. On a podcast, they were asking about me. He goes, oh, Manny Fernandez, he had his stiff. That's many. You got to work with many like that. That's the way many is. Yeah. That's who I am. Yeah. That's who I, how I was. So I advised him when that, when that I kind of liked the angle. And, and a lot had to do with Rick Rude being in the territory and the way they were treating him. And I liked Rick Rude. I thought he yeah. was cool. They had a good yeah. relationship, right? Yeah. That's how what Dusty was doing with him. So Dusty's idea of putting us together thinking that Rude couldn't work and I could carry the team, which he was wrong, very wrong. Right. Rude could carry his own, but yeah. I told Boogie before that, I said, dude, this is going to be like real. I'm telling you right now. It's not going to be no powder buff. You're going to get hit. I'm going to knock the shit out of you. So prepare yeah. yourself. For it. I told him that right off the back. Yeah. And that's why everybody says, I'm not. Literally, you're not. Sure. I already knew <laughs> that going in, and I kind of accept that, you know? Yeah. And he accepted that that's who I am. I'm going to knock the shit out of you. If this yeah. is going to get done, it's got to be real. Got to yeah. be real. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I, with the thing about Rude, he liked, I really liked the, uh, you know, the, the thought of teaming with the guy. Mm-hmm. I already said, yeah, I thought it was great. You know, I yeah. thought it was great. But, you know, it, that went on, and Jimmy Ryan got hit. <laughs> so that's why people reacted to it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh. People reacted and tried to stab me. You know, I've been stabbed twice already, but. You know, in the in Texas territory, but yeah. um, you know, oh. people really got they tried to kill me. I didn't think yeah. it was going to be until Tommy Young, Tommy Young saw the crowd go silent. Tommy Young is the one that came up to me and goes, "Manny, go to the dressing room." I said, "For well, what?" <laughs> Not happening. He goes, "No, you got." He goes, "You got white heat." I go, "White heat? What the hell is that?" He goes, yeah. "These people are going to erupt and go crazy if you're not the." Head to the dressing room, so I took word and I started going. That's when everybody exploded. All of yeah. a sudden, oh, yeah, shit! I had to fight my way back. You know, they went yeah. nuts. They went, holy yeah. shit! I guess yeah. that was real. You know, people waited outside of the Independence Coliseum, waited. And I had to have a cop escort and a woman pull the gun on me. You know? Oh my gosh! <laughs> they took it that serious. It was, yeah, yeah. You're right. It yeah. was you know, believable, but. The biggest yeah. joy I got out of that was knowing that I could team up with Rude. I, I like I said, I liked him. Mm-hmm. Of course, Dusty didn't think he could work. Yeah. So that was our biggest rib. My name was Rude's biggest rib was, you know, when we had Rock and Roll Express, we went these hour broadways, and I ended up wrestling mm-hmm. for 40-some minutes, and I jumped Rude's ass. I said, dude, we're tacking. You need to work. You know, I can't be going 40 and you going 10. <laughs> he said, oh, no. You remember what they said? You're the worker. I'm the gimmick. So you work that gimmick. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I had a, I had the yeah. greatest relationship with him. 
Yeah. I had one of the most awesome relationships in the business with Richard, besides my mentors, the guys yeah. that I love to this day and lost yeah. and still love the people that I love. One of the greatest relationships I had in the business was with Rick Ruth. Yeah. Especially when he made the decision to leave. You know, at least he confided in yeah. me. And, and, you know, I, I, I love him to this day. Yeah. I think me and him had some great, we had some great matches against Rock and Roll Express. I mean, they were yeah, you did. Rich, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you did. Yeah, then we had some, then we had some fun and great matches against the Road Warriors because we all knew each other and liked each other and respected mm-hmm. each other because we're all tough. We're all yeah. tough. I'm gonna yeah. put them, you don't hit me hard, I'm going to hit you harder. Then I hit you harder. <laughs> then I hit you harder. Yeah. You know, that was the kind of thing. Yeah. And then, of course, we had the matches. Me and Rude learned to adapt everyone. Rock and Roll Express, Road Warriors, Dusty, and Nikita. And I hated Nikita. I really had to adjust to that. I couldn't stand him. You know, I wanted to beat the hell out of him every time. And just oh. said, yeah, that name. Yeah, that's, I, I, I had a love-hate relationship with Dusty because yeah. everywhere that Dusty would book a territory, he would bring me in as his top, one of the top guys. Yeah. I got the rhythm fire and everything. But of course, I knew that eventually he'd find somebody else. See, I'm not like these gullible guys like Magnum TA and all that. That, oh, Dusty's the greatest forever. Dusty's not stupid. If yeah. you see that somebody's getting over with the people more, he brings them into his partner. Oh, I'm bringing he's my partner. Yeah. So now that gives Ruth Dusty another little boost. You know what I mean? Yeah. Gives him his yeah. little boost. That's what I learned from him in Florida. I mean, when he tapped, tapped and saved me a couple times with Harley and all that stuff, you know, yeah. uh, I knew what was going on. So I always yeah. knew about his ego and stuff. So, you know, I was all into that. But like I said, one of the biggest turns to me. Jimmy Valiant was fun, but I couldn't work with him. Yeah. I could I couldn't I couldn't be that soft. It was impossible for me <laughs> to be that soft in the ring. Yeah. You know, I just but he was a great guy. Yeah. Yeah. No, under understand that. Well, eventually you moved into the AWA up in uh Vern Gagne's territory in the in the late eighties and you had a pretty good feud with uh Wahoo McDaniel. Now, you you know, strap matches and all that and what was your uh relationship like with him? I mean, you guys worked together obviously, but was it a, a pretty good one or how'd that work out? Oh my god. I met Wahoo McDaniel in Miami, Florida in 1979 or was it 80? It was one of those years when they put in we had a show in Miami, Florida and I had uh, who ended up being Kabuki, but at that time it was Mr. Polo. I had a big uh, hair match in the hair versus whatever against mm-hmm. Wahoo was booking the Southwest Territory for Joe Blanchard. And they brought Wahoo in because he was over in Florida for a long time, and so was Watts, so there was a big show. And both of them were booking. Watts had Mid-Atlantic, uh, Mid-South, I'm sorry, Mid-South. And uh, they watched the match, and Wahoo had already watched things about me, had heard about me. Stuff like that from the West Texas days, right? People, right. he went to West Texas for folks, and I guess he talked to people. So he kind of knew my background. I had one of the greatest conversations that night with, with Wahoo McDaniel about coming to Amarillo, I mean, coming to San Antonio, working mm-hmm. for Joe Blanchard. And he was telling me, you know, the big Hispanic people in San Antonio and the way I worked and the fire and the people. Uh, I really got, you know, I was interested. I wanted to leave Florida, number one, because I already knew what Dusty was doing after this. 
especially with the Harley race deal, the last Tango and Tango and Tampa and all that good crap. <laughs> did uh, yeah. So, you know, I was interested in that and I really had a great conversation with about giving my notice and going there. And then yeah. of course there was Bill Watts who came over and talked to me and talked about the mid South and, you know, all around there. And at that time we had a guy named Buck Robley booking for him. And, uh, well, Watts kind of, you know, cocky, you know, kind of, kind of like standoffish. I, I just kind of, I didn't take to him like I took to Wahoo, like I took mm-hmm. to Wahoo, right. I took to Wahoo, and uh, so that conversation led to me having this uh, hair there. I knew what Dusty was going to let me use my hair, so I was prepared for that. It be Dusty, you know, you know that kind of gave me a bad taste in my mouth. But I did it properly. I went in and uh, gave my notice. I was leaving for uh, from San Antonio. They gave my notice, and uh, I didn't know at that time that Eddie Graham had fired Dusty and hired Dory Funk Jr. Uh, as a book. Yeah. So it was kind of in like in transition when I say, "Well," and and Dory says, "Well, you'll be talking to me on the book." So I turned around and I was like, "Oh, uh, should I?" Oh. Maybe I should take this back because of what he did to me, what he did for me in yeah. that row. Yeah. Maybe I should say, okay, well, I'm saying, but I didn't. Yeah. He understood that I wanted to move on. I was there two years, and he thanked me. He said, you're going to finish up with me. You dropped the belt. And I said, no problem. I was taught that professionally. Yeah. When you leave, you do the right thing. Right. You do the right thing. Yeah. And that's what I was inserted into my mind and installed in me. Yeah. And I did the right thing, dropped the belt, you know, lost the story, lose the town. And I left and went to San Antonio. I get to San Antonio, had a great start. Uh, watched, you know, talked to us. Wahoo was a great booker. Mm-hmm. And then having fun with Wahoo for a month, I didn't know what happened. Tully and Wahoo and Dickie's fight was in the territory at that time. Something happened, you know, with Dickie, I mean, Wahoo and Tully and Gino or something. Mm-hmm. All I know is all of a sudden later, I'm starting to enjoy this booking with Tiger Conway Jr. was there, Chavo Guerrero, and I had some great talent around me. Yeah. Great talent, young Tom, very young Tom Pritchard, you know, and Scott Casey. But Wahoo was gone. Wow. All of a sudden we show up to do TV and go introduce Dickie as a booker. And I knew Dickie, I had a great program with Dickie in Florida. I loved it. He was yeah. crazy. I loved the way it worked. Mm-hmm. Hell of a worker. Yeah. He, he was like a second coming of Terry Funk. You know? yeah. <laughs> he worked his style was just like Terry. And I, yeah. You know, I would love Terry. Yeah. So I had a good, I had a good run with Dick Slater and the booker there. Yeah. Had a good run. And, and you know, uh, it was Wahoo. And I, I miss Wahoo. He gave me an opportunity. I love Wahoo from mm-hmm. day one. Love them and respect them from day one. Yeah. And AWA. And then when we started our feud in, uh, in Middle Atlantic, me and Wahoo, uh-huh. and Wahoo was heel and I wrestled Wahoo, that's when the feud started. Okay. And I became heel and he was baby. We kept it going. Yeah. And that feud that we started in, in Mid Atlantic ended up in AWA. Yeah. And that's when I knew that he, it was going to be turned up a notch. Yeah. And it had to be turned up a notch. Yeah. So that's when we had those brutal battles where we beat <sighs> the living crap out of each other. Yeah. yeah. And that's yeah. no. No, I mean we beat the living crap out of uh, each other. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I've watched them. I watched Super Clash Three the other day again, when you had the Indian uh, strap match, 
And, I mean, you and, guys were bloody to a pulp, and I don't know how you walked out of there, but, whew, yeah. Dude, I'm going to tell you something right now. One time we were going so hard, and Bob, he broke my nose. He dropped that chub on my nose, and I was laying down. He missed it, broke my nose. And then I told him, is that the best you could do, damn it? <laughs> and he grabbed that damn strap, and he whipped me so damn hard. <laughs> I literally had the damn welt on my back for uh. two weeks. Oh. He hit me that damn hard. Uh. I said, don't do that again. I was kidding. <laughs> <laughs> we beat us. I mean, yeah. they, those are wars. Yeah. Even the boys in the back, you know, the, uh, the young guy and the, well, the Beverly boys, uh, Mike Venus and Wayne Moon. Yeah, destruction. All them there, young yeah. boys yeah. back there. Yeah. All them young back there, you know, even the young, uh, was the Patriot. Yeah, Wilkes. Yeah. So he was back there and everybody. Because when I come back, you go, holy shit, man. Yeah. You guys are trying to kill each other. Yeah. I remember, we're not supposed to do it that way. I said, yeah, I know. Tell him that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, it was unbelievable. Yeah. It was a, I loved it. Yeah. And we had battles and independent shows, you know. They mm-hmm. all around California and Nevada. We had some. I don't think I respected. I said, you know, he was one of the men. I respected in his business more than anyone. He was yeah. a tough, yeah. tough, I mean, tough. Yeah. That yeah. was a good, tough human being. Yeah. No, no doubt. A couple more questions here. Um, out of all the places that you worked, what was one of the most favorite places that you really enjoyed working at, promotion-wise? You know, personally, I could tell you this. Everywhere I went, even from Kansas City Territory when I went, mm-hmm. Hardy Race brought me in because of everything he did for me in Florida. Mm-hmm. When his territory was down, he asked me if I'd come in and work the territory, mm-hmm. even though it was down yeah. and people weren't making that much money. Yeah. And for what he did for me, even that territory that was down and was struggling a little bit till I got the belt and it became hot and started drawing money, mm-hmm. uh, even that territory, mm-hmm. I, I was happy. Everywhere I went, I was happy. I was so, just, the thing about this is I was surrounded with so much great talent mm-hmm. underneath me. Yeah. I mean, I had great talent in San Antonio with Chavo and Tiger Con with Junior Scott Casey, young Tom Pritchard. I mean, Tully and Gino, uh, Tully Bunch Jr. has heels. Yeah. I was surrounded. The same thing in Florida. I had, you know, Dusty was there. Of course, Dusty was there. Jack and Jerry were there. Steve mm-hmm. Kern, Jimmy Corbin, uh, Mike Graham. I mean, there's so many daggone good talents around me and so many damn good heels that yeah. we brought in for me when I had the belt. You know, I'm Morocco. Yeah. I'm Morocco. And yeah. Florida was unbelievable. I could beat that man every night. He'd have more heat than anybody on the court. <laughs> yeah. He was yeah. unbelievable. Yeah. He was unbelievable. And the matches I had with him were out of this world. One of the greatest heels probably ever in his business. But Everywhere I went, you know, everywhere I went, Mid-Atlantic was surrounded with talent. You know, everywhere I went, I just, I can't say I had, even where I started in the Amarillo Territory, you're talking about talent. You're talking about Blackjack Mulligan, Big Murdoch, Dory yeah. Funk, Terry Funk, you know, yeah. people they brought in, Andre the Giant, Harley Race. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, you know, I, I had the blessing of working with the best heels in this business mm-hmm. that I ever put on a pair of boots. Oh yeah, it's Nick Bachman. Oh my God, even oh, we got Nick Bachman. Ray Stevens. 
Ray yeah. Stevens was one of the greatest workers I ever saw. Unbelievable worker. Yeah. Right? And I had joys of teaming up with Ray in Florida and, and, and uh, AWA. Yeah. I mean, these people, these, this generation, will never get that. You yeah. can't sit down and say, well, I work this guy, this guy, this guy. And every name you name is a legend. Yeah. Every name you name was the biggest attraction all the way around the world, in Japan, wherever. Boozer yeah. Brody, Stan Hansen. Yeah. Me and Bobby Duncan, Boozer Brody, Stan Hansen in, in San Antonio. I mean, yeah. it was, it was <laughs> you know. The who's who. I, just, I was blessed with that. Yes. Yeah, who's who. Yeah, I was blessed who. with that. Yeah. Wow. All right, Manny. One more question, sir, if we can. What are you up to nowadays? Oh, God. Let me see. I'm recovering from total hip surgery, hip replacement surgery, mm. and total knee replacement surgery. Oh, so wow. I'm just taking it easy, being and going live, you know, watching yeah. football, college yeah. football, the games, and, you know, just chilling. I yeah. lost my service dog. I got a service dog, emotional support dog that I had for almost eight years. He passed away on me. I'm sorry. And that was that. hard. Yeah. Was, yeah, that was hard. I mean, one of the great Bill Apter, I'll tell you this, the great Bill Apter did a, a memorial for my reg. Everybody in the business, mm -hmm. everybody that was somebody in this business that I went to conventions with, the first words out of their mouth was Reggie. I said, yeah. where's Reggie? Where's your little Reggie? Reggie was so loved in the business by the guys that loved me and respected me and I respected them. Yeah. The first words out of their mouth, every time they tell me, hey, where's Reggie? You know, so it was hard for me this past August when I went to the International Professional Wrestling Hall of Fame to induct Dan Severn. I inducted Dan Severn in there. Okay. Uh, it was really hard for me to hold it in when everybody there, the new Reggie, yeah. every single person that was there would come up, you know, hey, where's Reggie? How's Reggie? Where's Reggie? Oh, that was kind of hard. So yeah. right now I'm waiting because of the COVID, this COVID crap, Mm -hmm. The PTSD service dogs, the foundation that gives service dogs to the veterans is so behind on funds and stuff mm -hmm. because of COVID. Yeah. So I have to wait after the first of the year to maybe find me another little Reggie, you know, yeah. another little beautiful service dog. And that's what I'm waiting on. And just, and she's recovering yeah. and enjoying life, recovering, enjoying life, you know. Yeah. And uh, I go to, I got conventions that I go to. I pick and choose. Yeah. You know, if I don't want to go, it's it's not a necessity. It's not a need. Yeah. You know, I could care less what people think or what this legend crap don't mean shit to me. You know, yeah. <laughs> legends, and I'm going to tell you the truth. I believe legends are buried in Arlington Cemetery. That's the legend. Yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I, I can agree with that. Yes, sir. I can. But, you know, all that other crap don't mean nothing. I yeah. get, you know, lifetime achievement awards. And, and I think the greatest thing, a guy named Michael Terry in Pennsylvania, mm -hmm. uh, he made a plaque. He honored me with a plaque for the Vietnam Memorial of all of the soldiers. Exactly yeah. like they have in Washington, D.C. Yeah. That's the greatest thing I got. That's mm -hmm. the only thing I display in my house. That's the awesome. only thing I display in my house is that. I don't display anything. Wrestling, wrestling is what it was. Yeah. It's not, not, like I said, it was never my life. Yeah. You know, you know, so. well, I appreciate you coming on here today, Manny. Ladies and gentlemen, Raging oh. Bull, Manny Fernandez, sir, thank you for coming on today. I really appreciate it. Honor to talk to you. 
and love to do it again sometime. Yeah. Look, thank you so much, and God bless you and your family. Thank you, and same to you. And folks, if you're listening, thank you. If you haven't subscribed, please do so, and we will talk to you soon.